Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A you will also get bonus content every month including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN so do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you So hello there. Welcome back to another big interview. Today it's part two of my chat with the mighty Kevin Campbell. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, you're making a terrible mistake. Here, amongst many great stories, is a very different take on Arsenal's epic title win at Anfield in 1989. From the crowd, yes I'm giving clues away, and very nearly from the back of a police van. Plus, a unique angle on the very first sighting of the now-retired, but then 14-year-old Wayne Rooney. Lots more, too. Kevin is a brilliant storyteller, a skill he's currently using in his coverage of La Liga. And that's why we met in Barcelona to record this epic episode of The Big Interview. I hope you enjoy There'll be more soon. If you do enjoy, tell people. Recommend it to friends. Review us wherever you get your podcasts. And for me, thanks for being there. And how did it get you to London Calling then? There was a, a scout called Fred Ricketts who South London was a hotbed. Yeah. And Michael Thomas, mm. who scored that famous goal at, at Anfield, who then went on to play for Liverpool, etc. We went to the same secondary school. So he was a few years older than me. And he was into, he played for South London, inner London, London, England. He was uh, playing for England as a schoolboy. I was coming through and I was always looking at him. Andy Gray, who played at Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, etc., lived around the corner from me when I was young. Falkirk as well, I think. Yes, and on which central midfield. And played for Marbella. Yes. If I'm not wrong. He did. In a friendly where I turned up on my holidays to Marbella to find uh, Peter Reid and Kerry Dixon unofficially guesting for them. You, you, you're right. I'm telling you, I was there. Andy, yeah. I remember Andy Gray. Yeah, Andy Gray. He was a great guy. His brother, Nicky, and me were, were school pals. So seeing him starting to go through the ranks, trying to get into professional football, was, was fantastic. And You believe there's a pathway because you can see it. Well, that, that's the thing. If he can do it, you know, and he always spoke to me, he knew I was really good at football, you know, stick at it, you can do it, da-da-da. And that's what you need. 
And then, you know, you, you, you work out, right, Andy can, Andy's doing it, so I'll do it this way. And then you get to a secondary school and Michael Thomas is there and you see Michael Thomas going through. You know, at the time, you couldn't sign for clubs until you were 12 years old. So me and Michael go to Chelsea and train at Arsenal and do that. You could train all over the place. So that's what we were doing. You know, I don't think there was any, any day I got in before midnight. Any day. And you're travelling at, at, at 11, 12, all across London. All across London. By the tube or the bus the or whatever. tube, bus, you know. At Chelsea, you used to get dropped off down at the Oval. This was probably midnight. Get the night bus. Up, walk it home. You know, I was 11 years old. Still go to school the next day? Of course. Always? Always. 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 But if I never went to school, mm-hmm. I never got to play football. That was the deal. Mama Campbell, that was the deal with Mama Campbell. If you're going to do it, she had tough, do it properly. She had tough rules. Well, the rules were set. So you, you either abide by them or you fall by the wayside. And I abided by the rules because I wanted it so much, Graham. And then you've hinted, I don't know what your take is, but you've hinted on like two two guys really I mean I think you adored like I did watching Chippy Brady mm-hmm. uh, when you were a fan mm-hmm. and um, in Chippy's team just as in the double team of Frank McClintock and George Graham Bob Wilson was this guy Pat Rice yeah. um, and Pat would have been a form of influence you before, on you before we even start talking about Gunnar George am I right? Oh, describe uh, what it was with Pat Rice being a young player academy mm-hmm. player at Arsenal coming from South London and coming into that environment at Arsenal you've been at other clubs and then you come into the Arsenal environment Arsenal was the one place where I believe the coach had my back believed in the players treated everybody the same there were no favourites. And now I could concentrate on football, Graham. <laughs> you know, all the other periphery stuff could be moved out of the way. Now I could concentrate on football. And you know, Graham, it was... I was at um, the Emirates a few years ago with, with my friend. And Pat Rice, he had a cancer scare. And he overcame that, overcame that. And he was at the ground when we were there. And my friend pulled Pat aside and asked him a question. And I, I didn't even know the answer to this. And when he told me, I was shocked. My friend asked Pat Rice, Kev growing up was part of that team um, coming through with David Healy and stuff. You know, what? how good was he? And Pat Rice said to him, well, they'd got wind that Clubs up north, Man United, etc., were going to come and take me. But he said they created a Sunday team to make sure I was totally committed to Arsenal. Brilliant. I remember us all of a sudden having a Sunday side. But you didn't know why. I had no idea why. But it was, for me, it was great because, fair enough, you know, my Sunday team, I don't play for you, I play for Arsenal now. Myself, David Hillio, all the boys, Stephen Ward, we're all together having a great time. Enjoyed it. I didn't know why. I didn't know the reason. And that was the reason why. And that's I didn't pretty special. That, that is special. But that's typical Arsenal. Arsenal are not going to let you know why. Was it a very... Um, I think Pat was quite a, a, a disciplined, quite a demanding man. But I think that was the environment too, really... Order, rules, dress, comportment, language, all this kind of stuff. Being in Arsenal at that time, my peers, you've got Dave Rockcastle. Brilliant footballer. Who, not only was he the South London Brazilian, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a man, young man, he's so impressive, loved the club, loved football, could go to him with anything, any issue, and he'll he'll guide you in the right direction. Again, unusual in in the hierarchy of dressing rooms. In the hierarchy rooms. in dressing rooms. Paul Davis Pops, who was just like a father figure, called him Pops, still do to this day. <laughs> Calm, you know, 
impressive, wonderful left foot, been through everything that you want to go through, had the stick early doors that you're not good enough. Overcame that, kept playing his football, became a legend. That's someone you could hold your hat on. Michael Thomas, who I've known from school, who'd gone on to, to get in the team and, 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 and be such a, such a star. And Gus Caesar, he was another one who weren't quite there, mm-hmm. but he was always somebody you could speak to, always somebody who would give you the advice. And that was a, a, a little core of brothers. And I was the young one coming into that environment. And to know, not only were, were they the brothers, the likes of Tony Adams, David O'Leary. Many people don't know. David O'Leary was so good to me coming through. He used to pick me up and drop me off at the station and stuff like that. At times where I was a youngster coming through to the first team squad. Obviously, you're in with Pat Rice. Pat Rice is the tough as, as tough a coach as I've ever had in my life. But again, there's method to it. Mm. He said, my job is to get you from the youth team into the reserves. That's my job. When you go into the reserves, your job then he, is to get from there to the first team. Mm. The quicker I can get you from here to there, is the quicker you progress. So he used to be brutal with me at the beginning. For example? For example, we've done two sessions, hard sessions, the lads will be having their lunch. Bag of balls, come up. Session number three. And he, he done this session once, Graham, where he, he booted the balls all over the field as far as he could. Mm-hmm. And he said, right, you're on time. Want to go get the ball, dribble back to me, beat me, put it in the net. Everyone you miss, you're doing a run. And he said, there's no side footers into the net I said I want you to hit we've done that seven times how tired were you at the end I was on, the, I was on my knees <laughs> I was on my knees Graham honestly I was on my knees I bet you were. and he was he wasn't just easy Aussie because people hate doggy runs but that was doggy runs doggy runs are like directions 15, treble the distance 15-20 this was balls in the opposite box Ball's over there, out. You had to go and get them and come back. Come and beat me, beat me. Go and hit it, right? Go, go and get the next one. You know, that Brilliant. tempo. Brilliant. I was finished. So, <laughs> and even when I missed it, you know, right, you, you owe me a run, you owe me a run, you owe me another one, right? Oh, I've accumulated them, you're doing one more. Like, you know, it was like, what? So he sat me down at the end. And we used to do this religiously. So he sat me down at the end. He said, why am I doing this? He said, do you think it's punishment? I said, yeah, I think it's punishment. I said, because there's other strikers there who you don't do it to. And he said, just think, there's other strikers there and they're not here. The, The switch flipped in my head. Next day... I was waiting with the bag of balls in there. <laughs> and I said, Pat, come on. Next day. David Hillier used to come and wait at the... He got off the coach and, and was waiting in the opening by the dressing room. He just used to watch. And Pat Rice said to him, do you want to join in? So he said, yeah. So he joined in and we were the first two to make it through. And we... And we'd come through to... I've known Dave since I was six years old. He was my best mate. And both of us got into that 1991 title winning team. Brilliant. So it's not, it's not rocket science. It's hard work that gets you there, ground. But there has to be a purpose to Personality it. Personality too. I know so many players, so many people, let's not say players, who wouldn't have reacted well, who would have reacted badly to that, would have taken it the wrong way. And off the back of it, I have to ask you what they would say here in Spain as a pregunta agridulce, bittersweet. Because you win the title not long afterwards, but you get loaned out, successfully loaned out at exactly the wrong time. 
you get loaned out in the Michael Thomas season. Yeah. So Bet365 have asked me to ask you, what was what were you doing on the day that Arsenal went to Anfield on the last day of the season and won? Because you should have been there either on the pitch. I've got a great story. Where were you and how did it feel? I've got a great story, Graham. I was there. <laughs> I travelled with the team. Because you've been on loan. I've been on loan, but my loan had finished. So I'd come back to Arsenal at the time. I was in the squad, but obviously there was only two subs at the time, etc. So just to be a part of it was fantastic. Normally the team leave the day before. George Graham said, no, we're doing it SAS style. We're going to go up in the... We're going to meet up in the morning. George. We're going to go in, do the business, and we're going to come out. He said, we're going to go up and we're going to beat them two or three nil. We're going to come back. And you can imagine the lads were like... Liverpool had lost by two clear goals at Anfield for donkeys years. Anyway, I remember the day like it was yesterday, Graham. Got up... I got up at four o'clock in the morning, had a shower, got my stuff together, went down to Brixton Town Hall, Dave Rowe Castle, um, wife, girlfriend at the time, Janet, lived in Acre Lane. He was coming to pick me up from Brixton Town Hall, picked me up at five o'clock, drove over to Highbury. We were putting the skips on it. Dave Rowe Castle, he's playing in the game tonight. And he's loading the kit. We're loading the kit. Skips and boots and you name it, everything on. So we gets on the coach, me, Rocky, Tony Donnelly, the kit man, and Frank, the driver. Up to London Coney we go, meet all the lads there, set off for Anfield, set off for Liverpool. George Graham puts a 1971 FA Cup final on, where he reckons he got a touch. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Charlie George all the way. We rewinded that spot <laughs> about 400 times because the lads wouldn't have it. You never got a touch, Gaffer. You never got it. the mic, I touched it. Look, I touched it. Rewind. And it was the old video, you know, where you had to press punch the buttons in and rewind it. <laughs> rewind it. Look, I got a touch. He never got a touch. But he's still claiming it. It's the final to win the double... It goes, eventually Charlie George gets the winner. That's right. Against, against Liverpool. Against Liverpool. Against Liverpool. And that's one where Charlie George lays down. Flat out in the Lays team. down flat. It was the beginning of grandstand for years and that's years right. and years. That's right. Iconic. It's iconic. So that kind of broke, broke the journey up. You hit a little bit of traffic. You're going up to Liverpool. It takes the guy's mind off things. You get into Liverpool. You go and have a bit of a lunch and, you know, you go to the rooms, etc., etc. The nervous set, I'm not even playing, but I'm feeling... This stage, you've been up for 12 hours already. Oh, yeah. There's no sleeping. Some of the boys get to sleep, some of the boys don't. You know, we're all having a laugh. Team talking, he names the team. He's, uh, he's going to name the subs at the ground. Keep everybody focused. So we get to the stadium and we see Arsenal, we see Everton fans get... Please, you know, giving it all that. It was great. Please. So we get, we get to Anfield and you, the atmosphere is unbelievable. And uh, Graham, I think there has to be a bit of a human side to it as well because mm. Arsenal, they've always been a classy club and yeah. Arsenal, obviously it was the Hillsborough disaster. It's the reason the game got, got delayed, to the last delayed so much, you know, and um, they said, you know, whatever... In the heat of battle, we'll battle them. But beforehand, we're going to make sure every player has a reef, has a, a bouquet of flowers and goals and gives it to um, the Liverpool fans as a, as a gesture of faith from Arsenal, you know, Arsenal players. So we're going to, we're going to battle you once the whistle goes. But for the moment, there's But respect. for the moment, this is the respect, you know. It's and, beautiful, um, isn't it? It's the right thing. As anybody watches the footage, the Arsenal players come out with the roof and they go all around the state, all around the ground, and they they give it, and they then they come back, consolidate, and then the game kicks off. And myself and like of Paul Davis, etc., we're in with the Arsenal fans behind no the goal. Way. No, seriously, we're behind the goal, <laughs> and it's amazing because 
Steve Bowen goes close early on. You know, we get up, we're, we're back being fans. Yeah, brilliant. We're getting up on fans are like hugging us and all that. We're thinking, wow, we're going close. And George Graham said it before the game. He says, if it's nil-nil at halftime, we got them where we want them. And you can imagine, we're like, wow. But he was supremely confident. Mm. Then Alan Smith scores at our end. We're going nuts, Graham. It's brilliant. That must have been utterly off the scale. Off the scale. Not because you're working for the club, it's your club. Not only am I a fan, I'm a player who trains with these guys. I feel part of it, although I'm not getting a medal or anything. I feel part of it because all of the work that's gone on in that week, I've been part of. And... The club have nearly let it slip. They sh- we should have won the league five games before. But Liverpool came back like a train. So now it's down to this. Alan Smith scored. We're, we're delighted. Then I, f- I don't know if you remember, Michael Thomas has an opportunity where it kind of gets caught under his feet. And everybody thinks that's the chance. It's gone now. It's gone now. You know, Everybody's that a bit down. And then Kevin Richardson goes down with cramp. And then Steve McMahon saying one minute, John Barnes gets the ball, he kind of going to the corner, and then he cuts in as if he's... That's the way Liverpool were. John Barnes was an incredible player. But Kevin Richardson, dogged how he is, ex-Everton, nicks the ball, gets it back to Lukic. And then the rest is history. Lukic to Dixon, Dixon to Smith. Can you see... I can see it now. Because I, I know from, if you're behind the goal, sometimes you're leaping about, you're shouting. I know the difference between watching a game and supporting. <laughs> no, Graham, we moved from there. Because with f- five minutes to go, we come out of the Arsenal section and we're led round the pitch because we're going to go in the dressing room. So we go and we, we're lined up near the tunnel so we're crouching down and players are you know we're all down there and I'm watching the build up and this is me us it it goes there and I know Michael's going to run and as as he goes through I'm up and I don't know if you if you see the footage when he scores you see legs <laughs> at the side I've lost it I was running on I was about to run on the pitch but the, the coppers grabbed me. <laughs> the local police grabbed me. And they had to say, no, he's, he's with Arsenal, you know, he's with the yeah. Arsenal. So they said, don't you know, you can't get yeah, on the pitch, yeah. you can't go on the pitch. I've lost it. <laughs> you know, to score so late, it's no. over. And it's, your, and it's your long-term mate from South London. From who, South London, you know, Stockholm. It kind of feels as if it's meant. It's meant to be. And this is how football is, and this is... One of the reasons why I love football so much, Graham. Arsenal won the game. Liverpool lost it. Whistle goes. Obviously, there's disappointment at Anfield. Big disappointment. They've just thrown away the title as far as they're concerned. They clap Arsenal, clap the team. When Arsenal lift the trophy, the Liverpool fans clapped. After the game, in the dressing room, knock at the door. Roy Evans, um, Ronnie Murat, all those guys come in, say, listen, here's, here's some more champagne. You deserve it. Any team that comes here and wins deserves the title. But we'll see you next year, you know. Have to make sure they get that bit in. We'll see you next year. But for me, to see that class was important. Mm-hmm. And looking around and looking at guys I trained with and worked with, they were so humble, they were just chilled out. There was no real big celebrations. Everyone was just sat back. We were talking, we were having a drink and having a laugh and stuff like that. I don't think it actually kicked in at the time. But you would think, people would think, they'd be going crazy. I know the fan base were going crazy. But the team were... That's what I loved about that team. We never went crazy. Because, you know what, Graham? And, and the culture was quality, win. win. Win, win. We wanted to be that type of team where 
winning was part of your being, as it were. It's not so much the case now. For, for Everton, you were something um, of a saviour because your run of goals when you arrive is extraordinary. You work for two Scottish managers, mm-hmm. each of them I know really well. But um, who was um, Baz Rathbone? Was he the, the physio? He was the physio under um, David Moyes. Because I believe that um, as he turns up, he turns up with sort of double denim. denim. He's come from, I think, Preston. Preston, like yeah. And a little check shirt. And he gets greeted by a big, strong Scottish voice saying, oh, we've, we've signed Bob the Builder. <laughs> and um, Duncan Ferguson says to him, I've finished a few physios here. <laughs> Baz goes, well, I've finished a few footballers too. And Big Dunk says to you, we've got a good one going here. Yeah. And it struck me that if you think about Walter... Big Dunk Ferguson, Gravison, you, a different type of character, but you played at two clubs um, with Scott Gemmell, yeah. who's a chum of mine as well. It's hard to understand why that Everton group was in difficulties, mm. um, but it's easy to understand why, with your quality and personality, you would have fitted absolutely perfectly. And I know you're adored there, yeah. above and beyond the, the Derby goal. And... I wonder if that was a, a group where you were happy and was that part of the reason for your performances? And did you have as big a natural connection with Don Hutchison as he told me last night that you had that you loved playing together? Yeah. Um, let me take the last bit first. Certain players play together and they just click. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to try and manufacture it it just works you're just on the same wavelength I was like that with David Hillier I was like that with Anders Limpar I was like that with Rocky Don Hutchison was that level probably higher he knew me and I knew him I knew what he was going to do when he got the ball I'd just make the move and the ball would be there it must be an amazing sensation do you know as a striker Graham as a striker when I was at Everton I could go to bed and I don't sleep a lot. I could go to bed and a few, I could sleep sweet because I knew this is my supply line. I know my supply line. Hutch always looked for me. Scotty Gemmell could pick a pass. John Collins could pick a pass. Good player, good player. Very good player. Scott Gemmell could pick a pass. Tony Grant could pick a pass. Olivia Decor could pick a pass. So if you're a striker, myself and Franny Jeffers, I know, where, I know how Franny plays. I'm more of the target man, but I could hunt space too. And in fact, when Franny makes that move, that clears more space for me. So if I use my, my smarts... I, I think that certainly separated you because Franny was very good, but he, he, in my view, he was always so fast out when he was young that maybe his ability to think about the panorama was slightly different to yours. I think there was an elevation from you. From you. Well, if you, if you remember correctly, when I joined the club, Franny was playing with Danny Kadamatri. Two young players, two very gifted players, yeah. but they were two young players, didn't know their way around the football pitch. When I turn up, myself and Franny, it just clicked because I know exactly what he needs. So I can be that person who holds the ball, takes it a certain way to release it back. So his ball is one ball way straight through. These are the differences. Played together as a pair. No, Franny, don't go there. You come here, you know, that kind of thing. Having a midfield like that in place, for me, was... I died and gone to heaven. (laughs) No, Graham, honestly, I died and gone to heaven. Because there weren't many times where any one of the midfielders could find you no matter where you were. And that's why hitting the ground running was easy. It really was easy. Whether it's Hutch, Don, Olivia Decor, Scotty Gemmell, you know, Tony Grant. Tony Grant in went the, the Coventry game. He's the Which one who played... the crucial one. That was the... We'd hit the bottom three then. And responding was really important. So the second goal, Tony Grant plays it in and to, to Barnby. And Barnby knocks it across. I was there reporting on it, and, and I um, sensed 
that day particularly, one of the things that I think moved you, which was like with the Trabzon fans bursting into the city ground and, and <laughs> that you, you were attracted by Goodison and, and the ferocity of the enthusiasm and loyalty of that fan base before you joined. Well, don't forget, you know, Graham, I made my debut in 1988 against Everton. Mm. And it was a very different place. Racism yeah. was rife. There was myself, Michael Thomas, Dave Rollcastle, Paul Davis and Gus Caesar in the squad that day. Heard it all at the ground, warming up, racial abuse. But I know, the, I know what the club are. I knew the size of the club. A lot of change had gone on at the club. And if we're going to get on, you can't hold these things against the club. Something has to happen within the club. There has to be change. And sometimes a player has to be a catalyst for, for change sometimes. Before the rest of this big interview... I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, that's enormously... I, I, I do think the right word is brave, um, not self-sacrificial, but that's enormously beneficent of you to, to have a viewpoint like that because... The, the traditional thing you're all taught in football is be selfish. Yeah. You, you, mostly, now, your one's upbringing or a good coach might say, no, I think... But, I mean, <laughs> footballers are taught to think yeah. of themselves. To be willing to try to be an agent of change yeah. in a place where you think, well, this could go... This could not go wrong, but this is where the worst things about me can be said. The mm -hmm. worst things... That, that's an enormous decision. Well, you know, for me, Graham, if you connect with a fan base mm -hmm. and you want to be the man. Yeah. Remember, we're getting back to that again. Yeah. You want to be the man, but you can be the man being humble. You can be the man being a good man. You can be the man where they trust you. That breaks down everything else. All the stuff that can divide gets shifted aside. That all connects us. 
and that still connects us to this day. I became the first black captain of yeah. Everton Football Club as well, which I'm very proud of. But if you don't go into it with the right mindset, you're never going to make the change. It's never going to be that way. And I've had a black pairs before me. Of course they have. Traditionally, well, I'm a lot older than you, but yeah. while we were growing up, traditionally they didn't have many. I, st- I still think I admire not just what you achieved, becoming yeah. the first black captain, but you, you, you put a lot of yourself into the decision to go there. I, I admire that. I don't think many people think that way. No, many won't, many won't because Graham, many won't even think about yeah. what happened in the 80s. Yeah. And obviously someone I work with now, Peter Reid, that was their last real team. That was their last game. Because after that game, Gary Stephen, Trevor Stephen went to Rangers. You know, that team got broken up. Fandon Howe, Ratcliffe, Southall, that team got busted up after that. But to play against them and to go through that experience at Goodison, because it was amazing. And to now have them want me after... What ended up to be a difficult time at the end in Turkey, not playing. Mm. And they reached out to me, you mm. see. I think there was five clubs that were interested in me. Everton was the first one mentioned and that Paul never got past number one. <laughs> I said, that's where... Because I know the passion. Yeah. I know the size of club. I know they're a good club. And I looked at their squad... And I saw them not doing so well. And I'm thinking, they've got internationals. They've got experience everywhere. The only place they don't have the experience is at the top end of the pitch. Now, if I can't go in there and, and make a difference, something's up. Did you play? I don't know if it was, was it Andy Holden or... Didn't you play a, a comeback injury game with the kids yes. at Southport? Um, yeah. And some 14-year-old brat... Let me tell this story. Got on the coach... And I'd been injured, coming back, going to play against Southport, just, for, uh, just to make sure that the ankle's right. So I'll get us on the coach. Loads of kids. They're playing with Kevin McLeod and Oz, Leon Osman and all these guys at the time. They're youngsters. There's a kid on the, you know, ear sticking out. Oh, yeah. You know, ear sticking out. Just, this is when the camera should, should look should at real ears sticking out. But, you know, I thought he was one of the physios, nephew or whatever. <laughs> I, he didn't look like a, you know, didn't look like a footballer or whatever. So he gets there, gets to Southport, we get to the changing changing room, and he's putting the top. I think oh, he's coming to do the warm up, you know, putting his training kit on, going to go out and do the warm up. And the olden pulls me and he says, "Kev, you've heard about this Wayne Rooney?" I said, "Well, I've heard the name, I don't know who the kid is." He said, "That's him." I said, "All right." I said. He said, he's 14. He said, he's 14. He said, yeah. So um, he said, treat him like a first team player. Now, I'm captain of the football club, Graham. Think about that. The the reserve manager is asking me to treat this kid like a first team player, play with him like a first team player, with the same, play with him basically, use your instincts like a first team player. So overs and flick balls on and all that kind of... Use those instincts as if it was a first... And don't baby him just because he looks... Because he looks that like way. a mascot. Just play. Well, I kind of looked at him a bit sideways. I thought, OK, well, let's see, you know. Let's see. So we start the game off, Graham, and the ball gets played up to me. And I nod it down inside. Whereas normally I'd either just flick it on because he would just can't try and run. But I get up and I nod it down inside because you want to play with your partner. So I nod it down. He gets on the ball and the big centre-half comes in to try and nick it. He bounces the centre-half. <laughs> reverses it back to me. I just play in behind. He runs through. Bang. It's in the bottom corner. <laughs> I look over at Andy Holden, he goes like that to me, told you. <laughs> Just like, you, he, he does that, and I'm like, jeez. So you're playing on, 
seeing his touch, his awareness, overs, gets the ball. I make a run in behind. So it's like here, I'm here, the defender's there. I go, to, I go short and I go along and the ball get played in there and I'm in. Score. And the same thing happens for me. I get the ball. He kind of shows and it, don't, watch the eyes, play it in behind, he goes for again, bottom corner again. And I'm looking over at Andy Holden. 3-0 up at half time. And I, truthfully, I can't believe what I'm witnessing. Yeah. Southport, there are season non-league players, men, who are playing at the back. And he's manhandling these guys at 14. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be feasible. It shouldn't be feasible. But he's head and shoulders above anything at that age I'd ever seen. After 65 minutes, Greg, you've done enough, Kev. Mm. Normally, I just go in and have a shower. I sat on the bench and I want to watch this kid. Mm. So they've moved him from centre forward to left midfield. We're playing 4-4-2. He was getting balls and he was just pinging them 80 yards across the pitch, straight to people's feet. Threw balls to strikers, just the awareness, knowing, letting the fullback overlapping and bending balls inside. It, it was like, I was gobsmacked. I was like, he's 14. Sure. So I gets into training the next day. I'm always in early. So I gets in and the lads are coming in. I said, boys, you've heard about this Rooney, ain't you? They said, yeah, we've heard about Rooney. I said, I played with him last night. I said, yeah, what was he like? He's, a bit, he's, a, he's, he's half decent. I said, half decent. I said, he should be here with us now. Mm. How old is he, Kev? I said, he's 14. Um, given how glittering your career has been, how much you've been loved, the trophies you've raised, the degree to which you've done all you promised yourself when you were a kid in Brixton, you've, you've pretty much done it. Would you pick on somebody who you wish you could have played with? If you could click your fingers and just change something in your life across everybody you've seen, who would it have been? Probably Liam Brady. You know, he was my, he was my hero when I was growing up. Somebody who, I love that person who could pick a pass. And Liam Brady was so great at, you know, having that ability. And a left footer as well. I wasn't on my right foot. And he's a, he looks so elegant. And the way he done things was like amazing. So I know there's other players who I think, yeah, I'd love to play with them. But if there was one, you know, this is bringing me back to my youth now, Graham, you know, which is great. It would have been Liam Braid. I would have loved to play with Liam Braid. Just Brady. getting on the end of those lovely balls that he dinked right into your pass. Way, you know, he's got always the right weight and the right speed. Socks rolled down pretty much. Yeah, you know, it was uh, old school football. As genius as he was in Syria and at Highbury, I think people have kind of, I don't know how it's happened, but people have kind of forgotten. Bypassed him a bit. That, it was, that he was literally a kind of, I mean, as a person, I don't like Platini at all, but... He was every bit the player Platini was, in my, in my view. Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. footballer. Glad you chose him. <laughs> we've, got, we've got people who've been with us from the start, and we sometimes ask them to send um, questions. And then Tom Lee, who's very active and very bright. I know some of the answers here. Tom says, what are you doing now? Every time I see you on TV, I think you have so much to offer. Um, are you getting more opportunities? Because you've improved a lot of the television um, coverage of football. And although there's no evidence of it today, what's the inspiration for the bow tie? Um, good questions. The thing on, on TV is, I, I do TV when I, when I can. Um, being involved in so much off the field, doing found humanitarian stuff, etc. I think it's key to use the position to help people. I think that's really important. I also help young players. Um, privately um, with disappointment with mental health with all that kind of stuff um, which a lot of people don't know about which I like to keep pretty private because I think it's important for young players to have somebody who speaks to them who's been there, seen it and done it who can talk about it from a truthful point I understand there are 
people who have passed exams, etc. But passing an exam in football is different to passing an exam to get a certificate. So, and to have young sons who are coming through the ranks. My eldest boy, he's a pro. My youngest boy decided he didn't like that environment of an academy and turned around again at 15 and said, Dad, I want to play football. So I said, right, you have to start from the bottom rung of the ladder. So he said, no problem. So now he's playing non-league football and my eldest son's playing at Stoke. So to have that disparity of difference and both of them get different, have different mindsets because the young one now wants to move quick. Mm-hmm. I says, no, you have to learn your trade. Mm-hmm. The eldest boy has understood it all the way from through Man City, etc. New at 16, he's a Man City fan. New at 16, I've got to get out because I need that pathway. Left there, went to Stoke. Five managers down, finally starting to get his... And then football, as it will always do, deals you a sore one because we're going to miss him for a couple of months now at least, aren't we? Yeah, he's um, unfortunately had to deal with a, an injury mm. which happened in a, in, innocuously in a game. Just, I mean, his, his stats and numbers were very good. My, the tom-toms tell me that the bid was coming in, that this was going to be uh, the last months or certainly last season at Stoke. He's that good, he's that well-valued, that's exciting, but... Given the measure of what you've been talking about, I know that, um, like Mark Campbell, like Pops did for you at the training ground, that the two boys will have a lot of wisdom and caution, not caution, but calmness passed on to them. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a, an exclusive. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm going to give you an exclusive, Graham. Because during all this pandemic, I lost my father. That's awful. And, but not to, not to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my dad had a stroke. Nobody knows this because I don't... Yeah. All this stuff I don't, I don't put out there because it's personal to the family. Yeah. But when you mention about going through tough times and difficult times, it's how you deal with it that mm-hmm. counts. Mm-hmm. And my son didn't really have a lot of time seeing his granddad but my grand my, my dad his granddad always spoke highly and he always got the message if you know what I mean so that focus about who you are pr- pretty much the Arsenal mentality Rocky used to always say who you are what you are and who you represent you know he's, he's got a tattoo of you know my dad wow and that means so much to him to know that this family, this Campbell family, give him the, the pride, give him the insight and the knowledge to push forward because it's not only is it focus, not only is it mental toughness, which he's going to learn a bit more about himself now, but he wants to be the man at the top. And you have to go for adversity to be the man at the top. Mm-hmm. If it's given to you, Graham, you never get there because when it starts going tough, you've never been through toughness and when it hits you, you won't know how to handle it. Hence why five managers in at Stoke. Hence why an injury now after he's started to do well, it's all character building. He knows his talent. He respects his talent. And like any good Campbell should, <laughs> you take your steps, but you never keep your eye off that prize. You always go for it well, with a, a humility. It's a terribly sad thing you've shared that you lost your dad because no matter when it happens or how it happens, it's, it's shattering. It's, it's something that moves the earth around you. And, and for two relative youngsters, because the, the boys aren't grown up, but they're 20, relatively... 20 and 17. That's, that, to lose somebody dear... Um, I'll step carefully because I didn't know about your dad mm. but I'd imagine he must have been he must have been enormously proud of what you've been as a, as a man never mind your career yeah. or over and above your career and then to see it going on again in the boys different ways yeah. I'm certain 
that you've got, what can you do in life? You must pay people back who teach you and help you grow. And everything we've talked about says that that's the case. Um, so I'm awful sorry about that news. Thank you. Um, it was generous of you to share it. I think it's time to let you go. Um, I don't really think that we can let you go without asking you, do you truthfully know how you and Brian Robson saved the baggies? Um, because um, they're in that same situation now. They've taken the decisions they've taken. I don't think their situation is anything near as desperate as the one that you were brought into. And yet again, some sort of Campbell magic. I do. With, with all the other elements. I do. You're going to love the story. What the hell? And everything's a story, isn't it, Graham? I think so. I'm driving back from training at Everton. David Moyes is the manager. I'm hardly playing. And it hits, we hit January. And I'm driving back. I get a phone call. Brian Robson on the phone. Cams, how are you? He says, I've got permission to speak to you from the club. Blah, 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 blah. So I says, OK. He said, where are you? So I said, I'm just coming down the M56. So I said, perfect. He says, I'm in the Four Seasons. Um, no, why don't you stop off and we could have a coffee? So I said, okay, no problem. So 15 minutes. Go in, park up, see Brian there. Hi, right, he says, he says um, do you want a coffee? So I said, yeah, I'll have a coffee if you're having a coffee. He says, I don't particularly want a coffee. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm going to have a Budweiser. He said, do you want a Bud? So I said, yeah, I'll have a Budweiser. That sounds true to right? Brian, yeah. 15 Budweiser's later. <laughs> uh, we hadn't talked football. We'd just Brilliant. been talking about the past and, nice. and, and stuff, Damn family well. and stuff like that. So we said, right, well, I'll see you at the Hawthorne <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> so I said, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll see you at the Hawthorne's tomorrow. <laughs> Obviously, I have to leave the car, get a taxi home. Missy says to me, where, where you been? I says, I've just met Brian Robson. I'm signing for West Brom tomorrow. <laughs> she said, what? I said, yeah, I'm signing for West Brom tomorrow. So I said, she said, what happened? So I told her the story. She said, oh, my God. Next day, down, signed. And he, I look at the people Brian Robson mm. had around him at the time as well. You had Brian Robson was manager. You had Nigel Pearson was his number two. Yeah, Craig Shakespeare there, you had Michael Appleton there. Mm-hmm. You know, look at that vein already. Proper man, steeped in football. Steeped in football, experience. Knew, knew their onions. And Brian Robson said to me, he says, he said, Cams, we need he says, I've got good characters in the dressing room. Mm. He said, but I need the character. That's a difference. I, I'd be sold on that if somebody said that to me. You know, I need the character. So for me. I was doing, at Everton, I was doing my badges. Me, Davey Weir, um, Stubbsy, Fergie. We were doing our badges all at the same time. But I had to... There was a project on here. Focus. I had to focus. You have to focus. So I focused on going down. I mean, you're looking at the the group. Jonathan Green in, Ronnie Woolwork, Mm -hmm. X-Man United. Yeah, Paul Robinson... um, Neil Clement, Big Darren Moore, Thomas Gardsoul, you had um, Holt Ian Goal, Robert Earnshaw. None of them is going to duck a challenge. Darren Purse, you know, you got you got the Carnu. Thinking, well, what's going what's going wrong here? So Jeff Horsfield, thinking, you got the bones of a serious, serious squad here. But something's not right. So anyway, as we start to go along, I'm not, I don't go in as the big I am, no chance. Mm. I'm one of the lads and I just start learning about the boys. So we organise a few meals and we go out for a few meals and stuff like that. And the turning point, Graham, was we played Crystal Palace live on, live on TV and we ended up drawing the game two each. We were 2-1 up and they scored in the last minute. And we went, we were going to Florida, Orlando the next day. And the key was 
all the all the boys coming together. Mm-hmm. And I know that may sound a bit foreign to people. You think, of course, you're going to all be together. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's more than that. It is more than that. It's a collective thing that everybody has to be thinking the same. Everybody has to be going in the right direction. So we got to the ground the next morning and coach to the airport. We get on the plane. We get on the plane and Paul Robinson, we're talking and Paul Robinson, um, I said, let's get the boys some beers. So I'm going to pay. So I took the American Express black card out and he went, wow, I've never seen one of them before. (laughs) Wow, bloody hell. So I said, here, why don't you look after it for the trip? For the trip. Flipping it. He goes, you serious? <laughs> I said, yeah, you look after. See, now, this is the trust thing now. Mm-hmm. Graham, this is really important. So all the squad, you can imagine, all the squad have, have bought in, all the squad are there and they're like, wow, what's going on? Kev's given his Black American Express card to Paul Robinson. Amazing. And he, that's for the, 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 the duration of the trip. It's not mine, it's yours. So you could imagine everyone's like, wow. Ask for it back, nothing. So you go, you buy the beers for the boys, you do bits and pieces, X, Y, Z. And we had meetings in this trip where everybody had to say their piece. Mm -hmm. And I said my piece, I said, look guys, whether we win, draw or lose, we have to leave it behind us. I said, because what happens, what I've seen with this team, we carry the defeat into the next game. I said, we can't afford to do that. I said, we've got to leave it where it is. If we win, what's the next challenge? If we lose, what's the next challenge? That's the way we have to be. I said, because we have to be proactive. We can't be reactive. During that trip, Brian Ruffin said to me, I want you to be captain. Mm. And I think he'd asked some of the boys and the boys said, yeah, we want Kansas captain. So from that moment on, that was the turning point. We started to win games. We started to win back-to-back games. We started to... If we lost, we left it behind and we started picking points up. And then I got my American Express bill. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which was nowhere near as much as I anticipated it to be. Because Robbo said, look, Cavs, let me know and I'll give you... I said, no. No. I trusted you with that. And I trust you. I've got to trust you on the pitch. And everybody in the squad were like, wow. And that's the ultimate trust. Because we, it's an unbelievable idea. It's, I mean, there's a PhD in psychology built in there. And I don't know if it was planned or instinct, but it whatever. Was more instinct. But we both know, because I've interviewed and you've played with people who have used that to go out and buy a Porsche Cayenne. Yes. Or <laughs> Oh, the yes. holiday in Florida. Oh, yes. So your gesture was not without risk. Let me tell you, the biggest part of it was they were trying to get into this club, exclusive club, yeah. and there was no way they were getting in. So Paul Kevin Campbell Robinson appeared. <laughs> and he would tell you the story. He produces this American Express black card. The rope was open. <laughs> The lads were in it. I think he bought a couple of bottles of Dom Perignon in there. That would have been about seven, eight hundred dollars a shot. Larged it up for for an hour or so and left because he didn't feel comfortable. But fair play to him. Now, if that's going to help us keep our status, unbelievable. That's what it takes. Kevin, you would say that football's been good to you. Incredible to me. The end of the big interview is an opportunity for me to say that um, everything that we've discussed so far outstrips the intro that I gave you because Kevin is inspirational. I hope you've been as entertained and educated as I have. The endorphins are going, the adrenaline is going. This is an example of why we do the big interview. Um, Listen to what he said, and if you're a young kid out there, boy or girl, who's watching this and thinks, I can do it too, then that's the Kev Campbell effect. Thank you 
for listening to the big interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.